Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Uh, look, I'm, I'm pretty good, Alex. I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm a little conflicted at the moment. Uh, you know, disappointment with results and this never-ending saga, which <laughs> maybe, maybe... Maybe ending. It's been a long 24 hours <laughs> since um, yeah. Assem said he would sell the club in 24 <laughs> hours. It's been a long 24 hours, but we might finally be into the last 15 minutes of that 24 hours perhaps we'll say yeah i've got got one eye on twitter sort of as we're talking you never know what's gonna pop up all of a sudden but um look as you as you did touch on there we'll start with that game against stoke which was a, a pretty disappointing display and uh look if if it served to sort of speed up the efl and to tell them that we kind of needed to get moving on this takeover maybe maybe it served a purpose but uh yeah look it, it, it's reminiscent of sort of those worst defeats that we had at the start of the season with, you know, one shot on target for the whole game. But but how did you see it and, and how did how did you see the result? I was really actually optimistic heading into the game after, you know, the, the FA Cup performance against Everton. Um, I, you know, thought, oh, you know, we've we've got over the the the, the shakies we had at the, the beginning of December. Um, but I, they just didn't turn up at all. Um, some people were saying it was the worst performance um, of the season so far. I actually kind of put it pretty uh, level with the actually the Blackpool game just before um, we had our COVID outbreaks, which was another really, really disappointing flat performance. The, I guess the only advantage in that one was we had a couple of half chances that we maybe could have scored, but we didn't really look like offering much at all going forward against Stoke. Um, they were carving us up with ease. Our usual reliable, dependable players seemed to be missing. Um, it was kind of just, it was really disappointing almost all around apart from, I think I called early on in the game, McLaughlin did something and I called him MVP. And then about two minutes later, he was the one who didn't track his defender to, for them to score the goal. But um, I think he was one of a few players who stood up and tried to at least make amends, make a difference in the game with a lot of last-ditch efforts that prevented goals. Um, spared, you know, Greaves and Bernard and Baxter a few blushes, I think, a few times. Um, and then I think it was the subs pretty much who came yeah. on and at least tried to do something. But uh, look, that they, they, McCann decided to start Huddleston. And I think I said in the chat that I was pleased but surprised because I like I love Huddleston. I think he's a great player and I've you know loved him ever since I started following the club. Um, but I just don't think he's, after having so long out of the game um, over the last 18 months and then his injury issues this year, to, I just don't think he really has the legs um, to, to start games. I mean, potentially you could pick or choose the right game, a team that doesn't maybe play such high energy uh, yeah. football, but um, they just, he was exposed uh, many times uh, when their dynamic midfield was, was breaking through ours. Um, unfortunately, when he was on the ball, I had no problems with actually what he was doing on the ball. He, you know, he was able to, to, to get under control and, and, you know, find the pass away. He didn't often lose it when he had possession, but regaining possession mm. um, was a bit of an issue for him. There's a couple of like, I think he was one of three players that lunged, which ended up with Doherty getting a yellow card. Um, can't remember who was the first to lunge, but someone lunged then, Probably, probably Bernard. This is probably a safe bet. He, he, oh, he, likes, a, he likes a good <laughs> dive in. Could have been. Actually, it, it, it was one of the centre-backs because they went yeah. up and then they were coming back and they dived. It might have been B. McLaughlin, but got past him, then got past Huddleston, and then Doherty just cleaned him up and took the yellow card. But So there's a few things like that. And like whenever they were, you know, he had to dra be, get dragged out wide to try and stop a runner or whatever, it was never going to sort of work. So I think... Where we've seen him most effective was when he's brought in late in a game when a lot of the, uh, that high intensity has been taken out of the game and it's a matter of you know, a bit of game management in that in that last 30 minutes, a bit of smarts, 
you know, someone who can, you know, put a ball on a dime essentially and, and take advantage of a tired defender or a lazy midfielder at that point in the game. But um, I, yeah, I think I was just, just really disappointed. And I thought after, again, like watching Eves and Smith, like go at Everton and, and you know, put in probably uh, for both of them, probably their best performances at the club, um, you know, which is a bigger thing for Eves than it is for Smith probably. Um, and then for them to come out and offer almost nothing um, for big periods of the game against Stoke is was, was quite disappointing. And I see you sort of think like, if you're only going to get up for an FA Cup game, yeah, you may as well go to a League Two team that like that that's their revenue essentially for the year is the the luck of the draw where they get an FA Cup against you know a Premier League team. You may as well just go and do that and be a cult hero down there. There's you you, you need they need to be performing more regularly, um, and unfortunately. They're just not. And, and Honeyman is quiet again. And when he's quiet, we seem to be uh, ineffective. Yeah. Um, a few things that you touched on there. So starting with Huddleston, I thought that was a really interesting decision to start him. We sort of debated last week, Logan and myself, about whether he would should be starting the game against Stoke. And you sort of, it's a tough one because you sort of look at his display against Everton and you think, geez, that's such a good performance. He deserves a start. And then as you've said, I think the fact that he came on against Everton underlines the role that he plays in this mm-hmm. side, which is coming on late in the game when teams retired, he can control the tempo of the game. He can spray the passes around as we need him to do. And which he did do, he did against Stoke, as you said. I mean, his his passing was not questionable, but his ability to track back and and break up the plays is almost non-existent with his age and his legs. And I think it was just a really bad decision for McCann to start him in this one. As we sort of say, you know, the Stoke midfield, young, pacey, full of energy. Uh, Wright Phillips for them looks an absolute player. I think that was his league debut for them. And 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 you think you wouldn't know it watching him play. He was he was all over the pitch, uh, causing us issues. But you think when you take Smallwood out of that side. Yes, you've got the legs of Doherty and Honeyman, but if you've got them sort of pushing forward and then you've got the centre-backs pushing up the ground as well, it means that when we get caught on the counter, we can get caught out quite badly. And it was, as you said, McLaughlin put in a few really great game-saving or goal-saving tackles and blocks to to keep the score as it was 1-0 at half-time, but could easily have been so much more. Um, I think the other thing is with Smallwood, and I haven't always been like the biggest fan of his but i think he's sort of just unassuming really a lot of time he just does the dirty work there but he in that defensive midfielding or that holding midfield position he tends to stay to stick a little bit closer to the back line and provide that cover yeah whereas huddleston uh was willing to 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 go a bit further forward um which perhaps contributed to us being a little bit more open but i i just think that as you as you said and I sort of said before, it's it was a poor decision uh, in terms of the management of that. But I think you know Smallwood with the perfect response, I guess, is what you could say because he came right. on and and looked to make a difference, looked to make an impact. Uh, you know, even got into the box and tried to score a goal. So um, I thought he was actually he was outstanding when he came on. Everything that we that we probably were missing for the first hour was in that combative defensive midfielder. Yeah, which which is which is why it sort of says to me it's more a selection mistake than anything particularly poor with the attitudes of the players. Which I know it's hard to say that necessarily with how we performed, but it just seemed as if our tactics and our setup just exposed us to a lot of Stoke pressure. And um, you look at like Lewis Potter first 20, 30 minutes of the game looked really sharp and really on it, and then just completely faded out of the game. And I do sort of wonder with him playing wing back. Uh, it's just really sort of constricting his ability to get forward and to provide an option. And, and when you've got Eves and um, uh, Smith up top, even Eves was dropping really deep to get into the play. And then you think when Eves is dropping deep, it that means you've basically got no outlets up top. So then Honeyman, as you're saying, having a bad game, just because he has, he has no one to pass it to. He has no one to sort of open the play up uh, with, you know, great great play up forward and running into the box. There's no one up there to, to feed off. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it just the system all around just didn't seem to work in this game. Yeah, and I guess then it becomes a. I, I sort of after watching the game was wondering whether, like we, we persisted with the four three three for so long, 
and we called for it to change and change and eventually it did and we you know we all, all had instant results essentially with that switching to the 352 but i wonder now if there's enough footage that teams have figured yeah. out how to break down our 352 um and well that's it and that's and you know teams and, just have to be constantly adapting you can't just say so, 433 works let's stick with it and then 352 works let's stick with it you've got to be constantly evolving yeah. and so i i sort of wonder whether it is just that same, you know, we thought, oh, Buchan never had, doesn't have any answers apart from the 433, and now we've changed the 352. Oh, he's got an answer. But perhaps he, apart from the system itself or the formation, there is no greater answer because some there needs to be some level of, of, of variation in the way that you set up so that you can try and, you know, throw, you know catch out the other teams or, or, you know, lull them into something, you know. Even if it means you, you play... What you know, Keen Lewis Potter has to play super, you know, not I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but play super defensive for the first 30 minutes or something. Because so they go, you know, they're going, Oh, we go into this, you can get it in behind Lewis Potter, whatever, rah, rah, rah. But then they go to try that, and then they, you know, they get their plan, their plan A is, is gone because we've we've set up a little bit differently or, or something. Yeah, um, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and look, I noticed, well, even talking about potentially going to 4-3-3, I mean, I guess the fact we don't really have any fit fullbacks plays into that. But I did notice, I think it was Fleming was on the bench for this game. So, yeah, um, and sort of is now back at the club. Yeah, another, yeah, that's right. Another that's fullback right. or centre-back. I uh, have another few options there, but I do think it almost may, means that as much as we're sort of fixating on getting strikers into the club, I think we really just need some fit fullbacks as well. Mm. Um, it doesn't look like Emmanuel's any, back anytime soon. I don't know what the latest on Elder is, whether he'll be fit for tomorrow or the weekend, maybe. Um, and Coyle must be kind of approaching fitness as well. But it sort of says to me, we, we need to get options into the club so that we can actually have that ability to change formations mm. or, or change the shape when we need it. Um, Baxter as well. Baxter... Seemed to have an okay game. He sort of he sort of grew into the game, I guess. He seemed quite shaky to start off with. You sort of alluded to to um, McLaughlin bailing him out a few times, and there was that instance quite early on where Baxter came out of the box to try and clear the ball. It just seemed like pretty poor communication with the uh, centre halves. Yeah. Um, what what have you made of his form lately? I I don't look. I thought he was going really well. And I don't know whether it was just in one of those players where that break has upset the the rhythm that he was in. He hasn't quite been the same. Not that he's necessarily... I think the black pool game, which was just, I guess, before our break, but he wasn't necessarily poor in that. Um, or just after every, our break, actually. The, was it? Was that, it was the, was that the first game? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was necessarily poor in that, um, you know, because it was only the 1-0 uh the Everton game I think there's question marks on I the, the third goal or something yeah the Townsend goal yeah um where he wasn't his positioning wasn't great which then put him in about you know you know where perhaps he should have made should have made the save but you know armchair critics abound will tell me tell you that you know they they could have saved that but I was quite defensive of him in that one. Yeah. At at first glance, I, you know, it just looked like a a cracking shot. And then, I don't know, there was talk about maybe there was deflection and maybe there's this and all these things that perhaps actually count in Baxter's favor. But the game, uh, he did, he, to me, just seemed a little off against Stoke. He seemed, as you alluded to, that communication, it seemed a bit uh, quiet or, you know, non committal or something throughout that first half it did seem seem to improve as the game went on but there was a couple of instances where the ball was coming back and you know that i think it might have been greaves at one point was apparent was was telling you know baxter to come out and baxter didn't want to come out and he sort of half did and then half didn't and then had to like do something just a bit yeah meh. so i'm not sure what's <clears throat> what's going on there you know maybe he went out and partied the night before who knows i don't know i'd make up whatever any excuse i can yeah, but, um, but I guess it then becomes a thing, like because Ingram wasn't actually playing that poor before he was dropped. Yeah, that's and right. If, and then if we go into a similar run where we don't, where with Baxter and goals, and we don't win anything for a month or six weeks, do we then go? Well, now it's Ingram gets another shot, or um, well, that's, and that's and that's sort of what I'm getting at because I feel like Ingram was 
just about player of the season over those first few months and then didn't really lose his place through any fault of his own. So whether we go back to Ingram, I, I don't know. Where's the third keeper? We'll just throw them yeah, in. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, I guess the other issue as well with um, Greaves and Bernard not having particularly great games, I think it's it just does it again, like we sort of said after the Blackpool game where I sort of said, you know, Greaves had a poor game, but I wouldn't advocate dropping him. Again, I wouldn't think, I guess we've got Festus Arthur back now, so we do have a centre-back option. But I think it just underlines to me, we just need a senior centre-back back there. I mean, you look at Jagielka slotting in at Stoke and barely breaking a sweat against us for a second game of the season. Um, you just think, I think I saw uh, Baz Cooper put up that article about Curtis Davies and I thought, oh, it's, that's that's peak um, that's that's peak shithousery with Derby, you know, going through the troubles that they are. You kind of go in with a nominal bid of I don't know fifty grand, hundred grand. They, they they've just sold a player to Wigan for thirty grand. Mm. So you go in with an offer of you know fifty grand for Curtis Davies and say you know hey buddy come come home. Um, it's sort of a win win, you know. You're kind of robbing a relegation rival and strengthening ourselves. But I, I think we just need a senior centre back back there to pull them into line. You look at. Some of the defending, it just seemed as if they just weren't taking responsibility and it was somebody else's issue to mark mm. or someone else's issue to, to, to you know, close off a, an opportunity and, and they were just looking around for someone else to be doing it. You need, you need that senior figure to sort of get everyone moving in the same direction. Yeah, and I think, look, obviously, again, part of this is, you know, what's Greaves' is Bernard's tw- 20, Greaves' is tw- 20-something and McLaughlin's yeah. the senior head at 24. 20- 22 maybe 23 24 i think i think he's a couple i think he's a couple years older but but he might um but either way like there's not a lot of of senior experience between those three um players like mclaughlin's been with us for what three or four years or something a while uh just Um, having a look now yes he now played seven games or something 20 2019 uh, oh, yeah, he's 25. Not... I didn't realize. Yeah, so he, he did join in 2019. I feel like he went out on loan. I thought he went out uh, on yeah. loan somewhere. But... Oh, he did. Yeah, he went to St. Mirren. That's right. Uh, I'm surprised actually. He made he only made three appearances last season for us, which, hmm. considering he was with us for that whole season, um, is interesting. Um, but then, yeah, in the side this season, so not a lot of age, not a lot of experience, not a lot of uh, like of games played. I think you know even for the best players, it 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 you know especially over championship season and everything like it is like with everything going on. Sorry, it, for the best, it was hard can be hard to maintain you know high levels um, throughout. So I don't begrudge them from having you know a bad or or a performance drop every now and then, but they need to find a way because it's I guess you're interspersed with the Everton game where everyone played fantastic but yeah you know a couple of league games now in a row and a couple of tough ones coming up so you know if the performances don't improve all of a sudden we're you know they're in it we're in a slump we're or half the back yeah, line right. is a slump for four games you know um with, in poor form so i think obviously an experienced center back would be a, a the perfect addition to 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 uh I guess solidify that that defense and and you know give these guys some strategies to to manage those those performances and to work through you know a a, a period like hopefully this doesn't develop into but a, uh, like potentially could um, and I think like Davis would be great um, for so many reasons beyond just his footballing thing and everything but can you imagine you know I'm just like you know if the, this takeover finally happens you know. Ajun comes in and his first thing is to bring back, you know, a former favorite yeah. son, you yeah. know, like a- against, you know, and it's similar to what Newcastle has done to Burnley. Taking, right. Chris yeah. and taking their strike, you know, from a relegation rival and you go take him out of there. All of a sudden they don't, they're missing, you know, that key figure from their back line who's even popping up to score a couple of goals and secure them some, some points. So, um, and that'd be another thing he would offer someone like Curtis Davies would actually offer us is credible threat in the opposition box. Off That's corners. right. He, maybe he could teach Greaves how to head a football into the net. Um, yeah, certainly. No, I think that's that's definitely the uh, the most exciting part about once this takeover is finalised, is actually starting to see some um, signings brought into the club. And who knows, maybe maybe um, as soon as today we'll get some sort of word on, on final, uh, you know, mm. 
uh, finalized signings, um, I think is the sense. But anyway, before we move on, we will do our three, two, one votes for the game. Um, I'll kick things off and, and we've sort of already touched and I think McLaughlin was a standout MVP again. Um, he won player of the month last month for the club, which came as no surprise to anyone. Um, saved us from a number of certain goals. Uh, but it says a lot when he's the clear standout. And as you said, I mean, he didn't have a perfect game by any stretch. He, he had quite a few uh, shaky moments as well. So just goes to show how sort of sparse the uh, the options were for, for votes this week. Um, I gave two votes to Williams, who I haven't really touched on, but I thought impressed again off the bench, same as um, his performance against Everton the previous week. Um, I think he's more than deserving of a start. And, you know, when we're talking about options at, at wingbacks or fullbacks, I mean, he he was essentially brought in as a, as a wingback from Exodus. So I feel like if anyone's going to know that role, he he could easily slot in at right wing back. If Elder's back, he can slot in at left wing back, and that frees up Lewis Potter to play up forward perhaps. Um, so I'd certainly love to see him get a start tomorrow morning. Um, and then one vote I went smallwood, as you sort of said. I mean, he came on and he showed exactly why he should have been starting that game. And and his performance after coming on was um, spectacular. And I thought he played really well. So uh, he got my one vote. Yeah, look, um, this is going to be pretty boring. I essentially <laughs> cannot argue with any of those or, or even yeah. think of a, of a valid reason to rearrange them. So uh, it's Easy. pretty much pretty much like for like. Happy days. All right. Well, let's move on then. We'll talk off-field uh, discussion now. And there's a rather big piece of off-field news that we've sort of alluded to a little bit. And uh, look, you know, there's nothing finalised just yet. We're waiting for the news overnight our time. Hopefully it's a nice present to wake up to in the morning before the game. Uh, we've said a number of times now, I think the last two episodes we've done, we've signed off sort of saying once it's finalised, we're going to do a takeover special. So we will do a takeover special once it's finalised, which I guess probably means an episode tomorrow night. Um, but just as a general general sense, you know, <laughs> it's finally coming to a close. Um, it would take something absolutely calamitous at this stage for the takeover not to happen. So how, how do you feel now that – how do you feel um, with the Alamera drawing to a close and a, a sort of an exciting new era starting for the club? Um, it is that – it's it, it's it's butterflies. It it's that it's it's stepping off the diving board into murky waters. Essentially, you know, I I'm glad uh, this is finally over, and like things look real nice. Like you know, as you're saying the right things and indicating you know that he wants to do the right thing by by the club, and he's there. There are parts of what he says scare me. Yeah. Um, some of the we- the weird references to innovative ideas. Yeah, that I have no like. I just don't know what that's supposed to entail. And then you're going to have reports of reports of where his so yeah reports of where the those innovative ideas were a reason why he wasn't allowed to purchase a club yeah. elsewhere, and things like that. Um, look, I I am I'm not completely like uh, afraid. I'm not uh, petrified or anything. I think it will be it will be a refreshing change, um, and I think look at, at least in the very short term, I think things will go should go really well because he's going to come in and want to you know do the right thing and, and get everyone on side. And then I think it's this just is a matter on the short of, term, though. I think. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, he's already said like their goal is to get it get the club to the Premier League and then probably sell it for a profit. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My, yeah look, I think as you say there, I think. We've already seen he's announced the takeover on Turkish TV on New Year's Eve or before before the new year. So he's clearly a very excitable guy. My worry with that is that generally people who get that excitable, um, I mean, you look at, for instance, a perfect example is you look at Everton. Their owner loves the club. He's pumping lots of money in. He wants to do right by the fans. When the fans want the manager out, yep, sure, no problem. We'll sack the manager, you know. Um, you can have all the best intentions in the world and still not be a great owner of a football club. Um, my concern is that if he's really excitable, he could be quite um, taken with, oh, well, this isn't working. We've got to change it. Oh, okay, well, let's like throw all this money at players. Oh, they're not working. Okay, we'll get it. Look at Forrest. Look at how many players they signed over the years and how many managers they go through. I think um, I sort of temper my enthusiasm a little bit. As you say, it's all that talk about 
innovative changes. I was going to sort of joke that, oh, maybe he's going to let the fans vote for who should be substituted during games, things like that. Um, well, you know, saying, you know, un- Hit the red button for Smallwood yeah, to come on. That's right. That's right. Oh, I mean... Don't even get um, started. You know, as you say, I mean, he's saying all the right things. And I do like the idea that everyone's saying, oh, look, you know, he doesn't want to run the club for a profit. He doesn't care about the money. He's only there for the success. It's going to be great. You think... Can you imagine any owner who's about to take over a football club coming in and saying, nah, I don't really want to do anything with the club. I just want to pull the money out. I, I sell all the good players. Like, of course, they're going to say the right things before they buy the club. They're going to you've got to wait and see what the proof's in the pudding. But look, that's all being a bit cynical and we've all been tarnished a bit by the um, Alan regime. I think a fresh, as you say, look, at the very least, the short term, the next 12, 18 months is going to be a fantastic ride. We're going to see what happens. Um there's all these rumors that he's backed by billionaires, of course. You know, it's, you know, the third richest man in Turkey or whatever you want to call it is supposedly backing him. And we're going to have millions and p- millions to spend. It, uh, it all remains to be seen. But as I said before, I think that's the most exciting part is now that it's actually happening, we get to see what's going to happen. We've got all the rumors that are out there, but we're going to see what's actually going to happen. And uh, um, I guess we'll see overnight, potentially, um, yeah, as that I, breaks. I, I think even like, the next two weeks is really going to give us an indication of what the what it's going to look like. You know, w- yeah. what what changes he can make to the squad, what sort of caliber of players he can can feasibly attract to the club before the close of um, the transfer window. I think that's going to be a pretty strong indication of where the club's going to be headed in the short term. In I guess in and then as to some of his personality traits, I guess it's just going to be what. Oh well, what people he gets around him, and what what uh, what what people he brings into the club to to yeah. if he, because like, there's nothing wrong with being excitable, as you say. If he recognizes that and brings in someone and knows someone or has someone that he works with that can temper that, and you know, that's as right. a as a foil or whatever, then 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 that'll work perfectly. But um, that's I guess right. It, it's, Many things remain to be seen. Yeah, and it's good. Like we've seen, I think it's Tan Kessler who's coming in as the new director of football. Um, I forgive me, I've forgotten the name of the man who was also in the box during the FA Cup game who's meant to be coming in as the new CEO. And I think that, to me at least, is really reassuring that we're getting sort of people with experience in football and people and, and this guy who was most recently uh, temporary CEO at Peterborough up until January, so just a couple of um, weeks ago. Um, people that know football in this country, or that country, England, um, not this country, Australia, um, it's really reassuring because that's what we need. And and as you say, it's about surrounding himself with the right people. And if Kessler's already been working hard on transfer targets, then um, I think I was saying in the chat today, the fact this is going through with less than two weeks left in the window means it's going to be a really interesting two weeks and where a lot's going to... You look at Newcastle, like they've had months or a couple of months to prepare for the window and they're still sort of making a lot of moves and, and trying to get a lot of stuff done. We we have two weeks to, to hit the ground running. So... Um, I don't think we need to overhaul the squad. I think two or three signings is probably what we need to get through to the end of the season, but um, it'll be an interesting window and then certainly an interesting summer as well. be interesting to see how, sorry, to, but all the no. rumours that have gone around about, you know, yeah. which players like Ajun has been targeting and which players yeah, Alan right. has been targeting. So it'd be interesting to see if any of those ones that uh, Ajun has apparently been targeting actually do you know whether those talks have progressed to a point where it's like okay once the takeover is ratified you know they just come, come in. yeah well that, that's what i'm like i wonder if there'll be you know takeover gets announced and all of a sudden we'll have two players who've been mysteriously training with a squad <laughs> that we didn't even know about just like yeah. oh yeah cool well Sun, there's been Sun players at the long. training ground and things yeah and, that's know, right. all sorts of stuff going on so it's it's just yeah a bit it's a wild time but it'll be a good exciting couple of weeks as you said yeah. Um, one player who hasn't been at the training ground recently because his move to Wigan has been confirmed now, we are talking a little bit about it last week, uh, is Josh Magenis. Uh Was with City since 2019, I want to say, um, when McCann first took over. Um, has been a pretty solid player for us. I think not quite at championship level, but it, certainly at League One level was a really solid contributor to that promotion success last season. Um, leaves to sign for Wigan for a nominal fee on a two-and-a-half-year deal. Um, really well-deserved for him and, and a great move for him, and um, we wish him well. Yeah, look, I, um, it's hard to say anything. You know, he's, he had some 
moments and you know periods of poor form, but I but as do all players, you know, we just talked about a bunch that are currently at the club <laughs> that are having poor form. So um, I don't begrudge him any of that. I think, as you said, last year he was sensational and particularly in that last about, what, six games or so? Yeah. What did he score? He scored like, he scored like, like eight yeah. goals or something in the six games or something and like the goal that got us, you know, the promoted or like whatever and like all these, you know, milestones in the last period he really stood up um, to, to ensure that we were, um, promoted so he did I, I guess it's one of those things where like if you look across the whole of his city career the goal scoring record's not great but that last season is why we should you know look back uh, at memories of of Magenis fond with you know fondly um because he was one of you know him between you know well him Wilkes KLP real sensational last year and um you know as you yeah as you said this was a, a deal that I guess, you know, was about perhaps, you know, us being able to recoup something on a player that we, we um, you know, before we uh, inevitably let another one go on a free. Yeah, um, that's right. But, you know, this was a, seemed to work out well for him. I think it's closer to his something. Sorry, I was reading something closer to his family. He's got a bit of security. He had a, you know, all that sort yeah. of stuff that goes with yeah. it that we weren't going to probably, we obviously weren't going to offer. So, um it's, I think it's just nice to see um, things finally end. Like, like it just, it was, an, it was amicable. Like it, he just, he went and, you know, he, he didn't have any negative things to say. We didn't have any like negative things to say. And you look at some of like, someone compared our farewell statement to Magenis with someone, was it Evan bought or Evan sold? Evan, Evan with, with Benitez? Yeah. Oh, no, not Benitez. No? The play, the oh, play. Uh, didn't you? Yeah, Lucas Dina. Yeah. Um, and they were like, Lucas Dina has left the club. And we were like yeah. five paragraphs on it, like everything. And here's a tribute video and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that was, you know, it, and that's, you know, it's, it's it, what he deserves. He, he's done he's done good, the right thing by the club when, when he's been fit and he's always tried his hardest. Um, so. and, and maybe it's just an optimistic part of me, but it already feels like that to me was a move um, approved or um, directed by Kessler rather than Darnborough and the Allens, and mm. where we're basically, we've said it for years and it's a broken record of sign players to new deals and if we're not going to sign them to a new deal, try and get a fee for them while we can. And, and that's what we've done here with Magenis and what we normally wouldn't do. We would hold on to Magenis till the end of the season. We'd offer him reduced terms. He wouldn't sign it. We'd be shocked and he'd leave on a free. And that's sort of how we've always operated. So to now be in a position where we're saying, well, would he be part of our squad challenging for promotion? Probably not. Can we get a fee for him now? Yes. Okay, well, let's let him leave. And and I think that's a much better way to operate, um, holding him for another half of a season to get one or two goals out of him and 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 not much more, I don't think suits either party. So um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, uh, well, let's move on to the triple flashback feature, which this week is a very tricky one. We've sort of touched on it before we went to air. Um, it does come with the uh, the curse of the modern-day um, uh, tendency to, to announce transfers as undisclosed fees. I've sort of used a little bit of guesstimation on these because the question is, um, can you name the last three players we've sold for a profit? And between these players, I've try to use any news reports that I've seen where, um, as a hint, I think two of the three players were signed on free transfers to City, which obviously then means any fee that we receive for them is a profit. The third, I do believe the fee that we received for them was described at the time as quite substantial and, and was, therefore a, for, was therefore a profit on what we signed them for. But uh, we might have very different players in our minds for this list. So it'll be very interesting to see who you've come up with. Um, yeah, so I really, I have this tendency, which is really, I don't know whether it makes me a bad fan or what, but like <laughs> once a player's out of the squad, I tend to sort of forget them. that they, they exist. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, like even the other week we're talking about, you know, the record signing that came from Liverpool and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we were talking oh, about yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like. Uh, so I really struggled with this. And mm. then I was looking at it and I was going, what are the qualifications for like 
making a profit. And so that was the debate or the, the question I posed to you when before we came on air. So I think my three guesses, which I have here, and I know that some of them are wrong, uh, because there's no way that one of our, like, the last three players that was sold for a profit was in, like, 2014. But <laughs> but that's fine. I had no idea. So I picked three players that I know we sold for a profit. In and the, the, the players that you picked are probably, you know, the players that I've picked, it's probably like, oh, we signed them for free. We sold them for five pounds. It's a profit. Whereas <laughs> yours are more like we've actually made actual money on them. <laughs> so my first one, and I, I, I'm fairly certain we did make a profit. Um, well, the first one I had was uh, Leo de Silva Lopez. Because I feel like we signed him for something and then we sold for, was it a million to Red yeah. Bull or something? Yeah. Well, um, well done. That's that's one of my three. So there we go. Oh, excellent! I got one. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you've undersold yourself so successfully that it's like one let, great we'll, one is is a huge achievement. Look, let's go with the um the really out there, the reference to the really old player next, um, which was a eighteen I think eighteen month turnaround where we sold him and then like within middle of the next season I think we'd sold him for about three times what we paid for him. Yeah. We bought him for about $2 million and then sold him for 11 or 9 or something. Yeah, what was, was it? That we, much? I think, we, still, was I think it? we signed him for like five. I think we signed him for like five or six and then sold him for like oh, 12. Yeah. So we definitely so, doubled yeah, the yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. But um, that would be, I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Shane, Shane Long, who I know is not in the last three, but I couldn't think of anyone else. He, he's so definitely I, our most profitable player. But yeah, he, he wasn't in our last three. <laughs> Ah, bugger. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, look, I, the, my uh, my third is our record departure, I suppose, or record like transfer. Actually, yeah, no, that, that's right. I shouldn't say Long's our record sale. This this guy's, I'm assuming you're going to say, will be our record sale. Yeah. Well, Long probably, will, the, in defense of that, would have the best, like, uh, yeah, return that, yeah, for ta- time yeah, at the cl- yeah. <laughs> club. But, uh, yeah, no, Jared Bowen is my third um, profit made on a player. Uh, and then it gets into the, do we debate about what qualifies as a, pro- as a profit? Well, it's funny that you say that. So the, the, the one player that I, I had... So. De- oh, sorry. Sorry, you go. No, I was, I was just going to say, the one player that I had doubts on from my list was Lopez because when I looked him up, I thought all three of my answers were free signings that we then sold for a profit. And I looked up and we we bought him from Wigan for a nominal fee. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I'm still pretty sure we got a profit because I remember that the offer we got for him was like a crazy offer that we just didn't turn down from Bruges. I know new, new Red Bulls were in for him, but I think he ended up going oh, to Bruges. Yeah. Um, Again, the other two, once I, they leave, I forget about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forget where they went, um, forget everything. Well, well, the other two. So one of them is one that we've already touched on today who, who just, just departed to Wigan. So so Josh Magennis was so, uh, signed for a free transfer from Bolton. And then I don't even know what we sold him to Wigan for. But as long, like I said, it could be five pounds. I don't know. But I'll count that as a profit. So it's, it's uh, you know, your answers are certainly the more noteworthy sales, I would say, than the three I have. Um, and then the third that I have, who who absolutely I guarantee is a player that you will have completely forgotten about, is uh, another one that was only with us for a season and turned around and sold for a profit, and that's Ryan Tafazzoli, who we signed for a free transfer and then went to Wickham for like, I don't know, 100000 him? Yeah. We... And oh, the, okay. That's why there was, there was this big song and dance <laughs> when we sold him because it was like it's the first profit we've made on a player since like, well, I guess since Bowen, but before that, you know, not many players that we've signed and then sold on for a profit. Because as we say, we generally just tend to let them run their contracts down and leave for free. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. So I, and I think, so before the Magenis uh, sale, when I originally had these three answers written up, I think the one I had before that was Geordie Device. Because I think he um, left during the League One season. Yes. So I think it would have been device. How much did we? How much did he after. go for? Well, he he went to QPR, and I think mm. he went for a decent, like three or four hundred thousand. And I think we only signed him for like nothing, basically. Yeah, right. Because he like, came so, from was it PSV? PSV, yeah, yeah. Like a really nominal, cheap fee, yeah. and I think we saw. We, I think we got like five hundred thousand, maybe from QPR. But 
there you go yeah we i uh, i sort of regret doing these i i tried to do a few transfer themed ones considering it's january and now i'm like transfer fees are so difficult to uh pin down these days but it's fine like i just yeah as i said like i was like who have we bought and sold like i'm like when did where where did players come from i don't know where did they go i don't know how much did they go for i don't know i'm like all I i i went through the players that i know we sold and i'm like the ones that are still like like still playing or playing at a good level, and so I was like, oh, Krasicki. Now nah, he didn't make a profit because we signed him for like seven million, and we only so, sold yeah, that's for, right. like, two or something, if that, or was it something like that? Yeah, two or three, I yeah. think two. But you know, and I'm, but and even like even when you think like if you if you really wanted to think of like Livermore and Snodgrass, you go, oh, like mm-hmm. we sold we sold them for like ten million, but we signed we signed Livermore for like. 12 million or something, I'm pretty sure. Like, we saw, we paid heaps for him. But there you go. Anyway, we shall move on. Um, we've got two big games to, to look ahead to. We've got the first of which tomorrow morning against Blackburn. Still unsure whether that's televised here in Australia. I don't think it's on KO, so we're hoping, fingers crossed, that it's on iFollow. Um, otherwise, we'll have to find uh, various means of, <laughs> of following along with that game. Um, but... Look, they beat us 2-0 last time we played Ayala and Barrett and Diaz with the goals in that one. Um, they've won four of their last five and they sit third on the table. So I guess perfect time to play them right when they're in form, hey? Um, I guess a bit of extra spice on this game with the fact that the game on Boxing Day was postponed with a couple of hours notice. And I think they've lodged an official complaint with the EFL in the last few days about that. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a little bit of drama during and after the game between the supporters. So who was who was the, who was their player that whinged and said it was an absolute shame? Uh, Brad was it is it Bradley Dack, I think is his name. Yeah. Well, I hope is someone he... smashes him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently I don't even realize he's like he's been on some reality TV show over there as well. Like yeah, right. he's, you know, cl- like he's still playing for them and he's I'm yeah. pretty sure he'll play tomorrow morning, but clearly taking his football seriously at the moment. But yeah, no, hopefully someone absolutely takes him out. Would be fantastic. But uh, look, yeah, tough game. Very tough game. I mean, it's the form that we've shown against a Stoke side that we're in pretty poor form. I don't know how we're going to go and go against a side in form. Um, look, I'm going to be honest. The As I sort of touched on earlier, I was reasonably positive after the Everton game going into Stoke. That all got eroded very quickly with a really poor performance. So I'm not feeling very confident about the next two games at all. So that means that we should play well, right? Good uh, logic. Look, <laughs> if, if my uh, opinions have that much power on the universe, then I will think that we will lose every game just so that we win. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, I just, as you touched on, Blackburn in, in really good form, um, playing really well recently. Uh, and they've got they're very upset with us for postponing the previous game, so they'll give them some extra fire in the belly, which is exactly what they need. Um, I I just I just don't I just can't see us turning it around after what is essentially two poor league performances yeah. in a row um, against a team like maybe if it was Millwall or like someone lower down you you could yeah. maybe go yeah we could probably squeeze something out of this but i just i i'm just not i'm just not seeing it unfortunately maybe we grasping just... at straws but maybe the takeover would sort of lift the players a bit give them that motivation maybe there's a frustration with the players well, that mean, it hasn't gone the, through at the very least um with this all happening perhaps they'll at least have that sense of clarity because perhaps mm. you know that could be an argument as well you know new year's day before the last two league games is Ajun's declared that he's taken over the club, and and then there's this been this you know two three week yeah. uh, holding period where players, staff, coaching, nobody knows what's going on. McCann's walking around apparently comforting all the staff, having staff meetings every day, trying to boost their morale, and so you know, and players would be the same with especially all these rumors that are flying around about you know who's coming in and you know everything like that. So I'm sure. The, that ambiguity, that the, the lack of uh, firmness on on any of this knowledge would have would have had some level of impact. So perhaps um, this finally had been confirmed and being ratified and everything. At least that that may give them some sense of of at least 
clarity or closure that it, that it is happening and that maybe they can then just I don't know get on with business but I, I don't know I, I just don't think um, it's just it just doesn't seem to be happening right now and I'm not sure why I'm almost at a point where I want Wilkes to come back to fitness and that's <laughs> concerning <laughs> I think the only change that I'd see for the lineup well or well, maybe two changes that I'd say for the lineup would be Smallwood back in for Huddleston and then maybe as I was thinking Williams in to start at right wing back maybe you drop Smith and put Lewis Potter up top with Eves um I think would probably be the only two changes I could really unless you really want to go crazy and put Ingram in goal as well but I think probably those two changes are the, are the two that I could think of yeah look I, I I'd certainly see Smallwood coming back in I I have been encouraged by Williams's uh, recent performances, but I'm unsure. I, I, maybe we're starting to get to a position where you know Longman and Longman's the new you know Wilkes or whatever. He's un, undroppable, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, I don't know. Um, it, it, I sort of go. You know, Smith and Eves had the one game together at Everton, played really well together. Game against Stoke, they didn't. Um, if you're trying to get them to build some sort of a, a partnership and an understanding, then unfortunately you might have to persevere with them for at least a couple more games to see if they can get it together. But uh, yeah, I, I'd definitely be bringing Smallwood back in for Huddleston and the other, you know, the changes you referenced, I wouldn't be opposed to them, but I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them happening to be honest. I think Williams will come off the bench again Um which is, you know, I'm happy if he gets a bit more time, to be honest. Just, yeah. You know, hook someone at half time, let Williams yeah. have a half or something. I don't he's, know. He's, he, and he's that sort of pacey, tricky player who's mm. really good to come off the bench anyway. So it's not it's not the end of the world if he doesn't start because I think mm. running at a, at a tired defence um, is a really good position for him to be in. Um, we've also got Bournemouth this weekend uh, who, you know, I guess – they're, they're a quite challenging um, side as well. We did draw nil-nil with them during our poor run of form, so that there's something. Um, and they've only got two wins in their last five, so starting to lose their grip a little bit on the top of the table, um, slipping up a bit. I guess, presuming the Blackburn beat us tomorrow morning, um, I think Bournemouth would actually be out of the top two. Um, so a fair bit of pressure on them in that position. Um, I guess sort of grasping at straws that we could get something out of the game. The fact that they're in a bit of poor form, Luton just managed to beat them three, two. Um, they're for the taking, maybe, maybe, maybe getting a bit nervous. You know, they've been top for, for most of the season. They were undefeated for ages. Um, you know, you can start to get inside heads, I guess, a bit when you think you're sort of already etching your name on the trophy and all of a sudden it's slipping away from you. There's maybe an opportunity to get in their faces. Maybe dare I say it, a new manager at the helm by that, that point, Maybe a couple of players through the door um, could be quite a different city side. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot can happen in the next few days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it's a very difficult game so to look ahead to. <laughs> hard to uh, hard to predict. Look, I honestly, I yeah, I, I'm we'll not have two new it. strikers up top. We'll have Yilmaz and Mariki, you know, leading the line. <laughs> I look. I'm not seeing us get anything out of the next two games, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I just where I it, it sort of feels like back almost in the beginning of the season where you go we're going where are the goals going to come from is what it feels like at the moment when I'm watching that disappeared through November and I was like yes we're on we're we're going places but for whatever reason we've dropped back off and I and I just we're not making the inroads that we were for for a few games there so that's my main concern um, hopefully. You know, Small comes in, gives that the defence a little bit of extra protection. Honeyman, I don't know, recharges his batteries or something so he can um, just run around like a maniac again um, and do what he needs to do. But as you sort of touched on in the review of Stoke, he needs a, uh, some extra some players to be with you know around him to support him and help him to achieve what he what he can do. So, but. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not confident. I've, I've put two nil losses down for both games. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to feel like that at the moment. As you said, it does feel reminiscent of that early period of the season where we just have a sort of struggling for creativity. Um, it's going to be tough. I, I, I do think. I, I do really hope tomorrow morning um, that news of the takeover does 
sort of lift the side up a bit. I, I saw Baz just tweeted out to say that the announcement of the takeover is planned to be announced pre-game. Um, so I don't know if that means literally pre-game as in sort of as the supporters are going into the ground or whether it means in sort of the hours before the game. But I would hope that that sort of lifts the players. I hope that there's sort of, even if it's behind the scenes, you know, Ajun sort of meeting with the players and doing all that sort of stuff before during, during the day. Um, it should, you know, you look at Newcastle when they got their takeover ratified and and maybe not the best example, they, they did go out and score in the first few minutes against New, uh, against Tottenham. Um, they did lose the game, but um, it shows that you can have that sort of excitement and atmosphere sort of lift the players and get get a bit of positive energy going through the going through the club again. You look at you know Lewis Potter frustrated against Stoke. I'm sure he was sort of thinking, "There's this offer coming in for me from Brentford. What am I doing stuck here? What's happening with the club? You know all that sort of thing." So that certainty should certainly help the players. Should help level the heads. But yeah, two nil losses to Blackburn and Bournemouth I could certainly see also happening at the same time so look it's, it's going to be it's going to be a very exciting couple of days as a city supporter it's going to be very exciting um, off the pitch as well as hopefully on the pitch over the next two games um, and I guess we just have to see what happens um, so until next time which well to be fair could be could be tomorrow night we could do another episode tomorrow night once the takeover is ratified just to talk all things transfers managers owners we've sort of touched on a little bit here but might go into a bit more depth on that tomorrow night just to get reactions around the whole tigers down under crew um so potentially until then um thank you for joining me dan uh look it's it's, it's a pleasure to come on sometimes it's not so pleasurable to talk about city at the moment <laughs> with performances but um yeah look i'm i'm pretty much happy to come on almost any time Brilliant. No worries. And thank you everyone for listening in to another episode of the Tigers Down Under. Until next time, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. Tigers are roaring and destiny's calling Cause now is the time Yeah, the city's on fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning back cause you're out